Did you know that most vitamin D3 supplements come from sheep's wool? I'm Kat, founder of Ritual. We're making traceability the new standard for the supplement industry. When I was pregnant, I couldn't find a multivitamin I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested, and clean label project certified. Oh, and our vitamin D3? It comes from sustainably harvested lichen from England, not sheep. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. The sport is just going to die if they don't break the designated hitter to the National League. We got fresh frozen <laughs> strawberry margaritas and Terry's bringing us chips and salsa all night long. Nick's hips do not lie. <laughs> Yeah, I got a MF wagon. Like, <laughs> let's be real. The Washington Nationals are the world champions. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Half Street High Heat. You can find them wherever your podcasts are downloaded or sold. With me, as always, is Ray Knight. Uh, Johnny, I think this is going to be a great episode. I do. They're going to talk baseball, Johnny, and the baseball is the reason they talk and what they talk about. I think that's important to talk about baseball. And if you're a baseball podcast, you're going to end up talking lots of baseball. Well, that's awesome. Thank you very much, Johnny and Ray. Bob Carpenter with you here. And now, let's start the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the latest episode of Half Street High Heat. Thank you for joining us, as always, in a week where there was lots of baseball, but no Nats baseball. I am Amanda. You can follow me on Twitter at awhite7877. You can follow my percipient co-hosts, Nick and Ryan, at dcnatchak and at halfshackcap. You can follow our digital media coordinator, OPT, at One Pursuit Takes, our blog contributor Monty at M. Davis Taylor, and the show at Half Street High Heat, which you ought to be doing already. But if you haven't, get on it. How are you, gentlemen? So, you know, what what was that word? Precipi precipitant? Precipitation. Yeah, yeah, so it's either precipitation, um, <laughs> meaning we cry a lot, um, or it means we're active like a participant. So. Maybe you're a bunch of whiny participants or yeah, you participate we actively, a lot. We actively cry. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. <laughs> actively. 
Well, we are a part of Nats fans, and Nats fans complain about literally everything. We are or, a bunch of whiny bitches. Or, I should have said that. That was a bad word. Or they complain yeah. about other people complaining. Or they complain about things nobody's complaining about. <laughs> but what they do like to do best of all is police each other's fandom. That is something we're very good at around these parts. <laughs> like, you know, I... I I have to obviously I, I only have Nat Nats fans to compare to, but like it just feels like it's so much worse amongst Nats fans than any. I don't fan think base. that's true though. I really don't. I think if you were like heavily involved in any fan base and not just baseball, but just in general, like it's the same. People are the same everywhere. No, I get it, but like with with Nats fans in particular, it's like they have to tell us how or like there's people that tell us how we have to feel about Bryce Harper. There's people who tell us how we have to feel about winning a championship and sucking the next year. You know, it's like specifically those people who say, oh, we just won the World Series. Why are you so, like, negative? Like, because we suck, bro. Like, what do you want from me? <laughs> I did enjoy the World Series run, and also we suck this year. Both things can be true. Exactly. Exactly. It's not like I didn't celebrate. I mean, you want a proof of my celebration? Look at my bank account the night after we won the World Series. Oh, God, I don't even want to talk about my credit card bill. <laughs> I don't seriously like that trip that I took where I moved my plane ticket. You don't even want to know. It was hateful. I still shudder when I think about it. It was all worth it, though, because I still – I was just joking with my husband today. I was like, why is it that every T-shirt and sweatshirt I owned has the Nats logo on it? He's like, because World Series. I was like, yes, that's why. Facts. I uh, I was on Fanatics because um, you know every Friday me and my fiance we have a cheat meal because we were vegetarian what six days a week and then uh, Fridays we do whatever so we got Popeyes and nice. uh, the the code um, the code they had like one of those peel off things for on on your big cup and uh, mm -hmm. it was for Fanatics so you know I was browsing Fanatics thinking what I because it was 30% off so I was like shoot yeah I mean I'm gonna buy something and I was looking at hoodies and there was Nike brand hoodies and the code didn't apply to them mm -hmm. and I bought them anyways <laughs> yeah these these things happen these yeah, things I was, happen I was just like I hate myself <laughs> like no two ways around I hate myself <laughs> you know I was watching those shirts off their backs like that bid thing that they've been doing the auction uh -huh. and i've been trying to like at first i was like i'm gonna bid on the soda one it's so crazy it got up to like five thousand dollars and i was like i'm out there like i'm not made of money right <laughs> oh but, so, um, so five thousand's the number you're out at all right good to know <laughs> oh no 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 it got to five thousand i was out way before that i was out way before that but when it was like two thousand i was like trying to talk myself into it like it's really an investment i mean that's gonna hold its value my husband was like shut up no it isn't <laughs> like all right fine <laughs> but then it went up to five thousand, and, and it—I didn't have to talk myself out of it anymore. So yeah, I mean, for me, fun. it's like I hate myself, but at least I'm gonna hate myself while wearing a brand new hoodie. So that's right. Exactly. If you have to hate yourself, you might as well look good doing it. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> oh, hey, I have a, another aquarium update. Oh, let's hear it. So I got my fish from the black market, and you know, I got sixteen fish. In, I mean, they're tiny fish, so it's not as many as. You know, it sounds like, but I got 16 fish. Three of them were DOA dead on arrival, but you know, 13 out of 16 is like a, a 0.8125 percentage, which is you know better than Adam Eaton's career OPS. So you know that that's pretty good. So winning uh, looks like. Yeah, exactly. So you know, and then we put them directly in the quarantine tank. They're they're like babies, so I I mean, which makes sense because obviously 
it seems like the people selling them just like breed them. So, you know, it's easier to profit and whatnot. But, you know, there's babies, so they're too small to go in my big tank just because the angelfish will eat them. But so far, I mean, it's been a, almost a week, and they're they're living, you know, they're, they're right. getting strong. So, you know, black market fish, clearly the way to go. Should have done and that you've identified a species that you aren't murdering, so that's good. <laughs> well, I was never murdering them. Uh, it was my angelfish murdering yeah. all the other ones. Yeah, ironic. Yeah, angel of death. <laughs> yes, exactly. Oh, and I settled on a name for him. His name is Victor. Don't ask me why. It's just the first name that came to my head. Okay. Yeah. That's, so that's a good my, name. Yeah, it's my aquarium update. Yeah, strong. It's because of your because of your intense Robles fandom. Is that? All right. I am now in search of a new name. Because <laughs> I did not think of that. <laughs> and back to square one. And we're back. <laughs> <laughs> Starting over. Yeah. How is Mr. Finn this week, Ryan? Yeah, he's, he's doing great. Um, I got him a new. Oh, that is a lie. <laughs> I heard that pain in your voice. <laughs> know that anywhere? No, he um, he sleeps in on the weekends. It's pretty funny. It's the only, the only two days he'll sleep past four o'clock. Um, so interesting. So he has like an awareness of which day of the week it is. That's an, I don't know. A smart think... cat. I think it's just because I let him run around longer on the weekends before I, like, bring him in here. Um, so he sleeps on the weekends. It's so great. But he wakes me up once an hour, every hour, until I get up. And it's really <laughs> annoying because he'll, like, how to get in my room. I'm like, okay, fine. So I'm in my room. He'll do, like, a quick hot lap. And he realized that I'm not going to give him, like, undivided attention. So it's like, F this. I'm out. And he howls to get out of my room, so I have to get up and let him out. He does that once an hour every hour, and it's really annoying because he starts at, like, 3.45 every single morning, and I'm like, I get it. So I'm thinking of, like, installing a, uh, like a, a cat door so he can, like, go through it to, you know, help me out. But, I don't know, it seems like a lot of work. And speaking of which, she just heard I was talking about him, and I actually don't know where he came from. He's you're out of nowhere in my room. Can't you just like leave your door open or leave it cracked so he so, can come and go as he pleases? Would, but we have other cats and one of them doesn't like him very much. Um, she's seven, why. she's 17 years old and she kind of likes doing her own thing and he likes terrorizing her. Mm. So we kind of just do it just so she can have the night to relax and not have to worry about him. Because she's a, uh, okay. how do you say this? Ancient. <laughs> so this is like a... Yeah, I can see that. She's yeah. probably like, oh, dear God, get this obnoxious <laughs> youngster away from me. I can see it. Well, that's cool. Anything else going on exciting it's this how, week? It's how Amanda feels about us. <laughs> I wasn't going to say it out loud, but we were all thinking it. I'm yeah, sure. she, she's the ancient <laughs> one. and you know. Yeah, I don't know that like 40s, early 40s counts as ancient, but it's definitely old. You know, almost like twice our age, but you know. Teach their own. Yeah, okay, math is, <laughs> math is hard. I said almost, which isn't a lie. Yeah, it's still not exactly accurate, but you are closer to my kid's age than mine, so it's pretty close to accurate, I'd say. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, so what else is going on this week? Anything besides animal-related things? Um, what do you guys... So besides the fact that my case study I'm working on is absolute nightmare fuel, I made the most unreal chicken and waffles Saturday that Ooh. changed my life. Oh, my God. It was a complete pain ass to make. Probably will never do it again. But, like, I made the waffles homemade, and, then like, I put a little extra vanilla in there, so it came out real delicious and sweet. 
Um, I did actually, you make the fried chicken yourself? Like did I, the whole I, battering and frying and everything? I was going to go there. So when I was making the batter, I misread it and I put five times as much cayenne pepper in there as I was supposed to. That's so a good move. we had some real hot chicken, but it was absolutely delicious. Um, frying it sucked because my entire house felt like oiled for the rest of the night, but delicious. And I made a bourbon maple syrup. Ugh. Yum. Phenomenal. Highly recommend it. See, the one place I'm going to disagree with you there is that your house smelling like oil is a bad thing. <laughs> no, I, I don't like fry I was... a lot with oil just because it's just, I feel like unless you're going to strain it and keep it, it's just so wasteful. It's a hassle. It's a hassle, but man, is it good. I went through a phase, this is probably like 15 years ago now, where I had a deep fryer that we would keep on the counter and we just deep fried everything for a while. We just like, oh, the oil's already there. We'll just flip on the deep fryer. It's fine. And then like 15 pounds later, I was like, we got to put this damn thing away. Like I can't. I, can't I want an fry. air fryer. We have one and they're awesome. Yeah, I want one too. They're really, really cool. We have one. My, my husband like obsessively researches anything we buy like that. So he like researched the hell out of them for a while and then bought one that was supposed to be the best one and then sent it back because he didn't like it. Because it's the thing is, you think you want a larger one so you can cook more stuff, but if they're too big, they just don't fry correctly. You don't get mm. the the proper amount, so it's like Good you gotta tip. just Good go tip. with it. It is. It's. It, I'll send you guys the info on the uh, on the the one that we decided is the world's best air fryer. Hey, remember when stuff. you were supposed to buy a mic and you never did? I do remember that. I do. <laughs> I do. So I won't. You know, I won't try to buy it for you. I'll just send you the link for where you can buy it yourself. <laughs> Yep. So, uh, yeah, my week has been kind of boring compared to last week since uh, I bought a new car. But I do love my new car. That's pretty exciting. That was fantastic, Nick. <laughs> yeah, very well done. That's Jack and Coke there for you. Oh, yeah. So then we should talk about that, that you have a week coming up that's leading you to drink on a Tuesday night alone. It is Monday night, but nice try. Monday. Um, Shit, is it Monday? It is Monday. <laughs> I thought it was Tuesday all day. Huh. You know, I, I'm just taking a, a page out of Monty's playbook, and, you know, I'm just getting the drinking out of the way early. You know, I have a hell of a week coming up, so you, you can't start drinking all week if you don't start on Monday. You know, that's very logical. Can't yeah, argue with exactly, that. Exactly, exactly. Very logical. So Jack and Coke, huh? Yep. It's the, the devil's poison, and I love it. It is good stuff. I don't drink almost at all, but when I do, it's I usually drink Malibu and pineapple juice, which is a shishi drink and has almost no booze in it, which is good because I'm a total lightweight, but it is delicious. I mean, you're talking to the biggest stands of strawberry margaritas ever. It's a really so, good point. Yeah. I forgot my audience for a moment. I haven't had a <laughs> strawberry margarita in so long. I mean, I just miss it. I miss it so much. They are good. I, I don't mind margaritas except... I, you know, tequila and I have a bad history. We don't, we're not on speaking terms, so I generally <laughs> avoid the margaritas or, or tequila in any of its permutations. We're, we don't get along. We don't get along these days. Best it's true. Oh, see, let's not go down that dangerous path again. Best fruit out there. About fruit. <laughs> Can't change my mind. <laughs> Anyways. Peach is not in right. the top ten. Peaches might not even be top 15. You just, I just have, I have no words. I have no words. I don't know how you can say that. Have you ever had a peach Bellini? I don't even know what a Fellini is. Bellini. Bellini. That, Look it up. Google Bellini? Bellini. I've had a cannoli. 
Oh, those are good too. I would take, what? I would comfortably take cantaloupe over peaches. Mm, I do love cantaloupe, but peaches would, are better. I'm trying to think of a hot take. I would take, okay, here it is. Ready? You ready for this? I would take honeydew melon over peaches. Mm. Honeydew melon is trash. And, and I would take it over peaches. That's just your trash. I don't know what to say to you, right? <laughs> peaches are not good. Peaches They're are slimy. They're slimy. That's called They're juicy. Gross. They're not slimy. Kiwis They're are slimy. slimy. Kiwis are gross. Kiwis are de- not even on my list. I won't eat those things. They're the devil's fruit. I like them in like smoothies and stuff. I take blueberries over peaches. Blueberries are delicious. I don't like them delicious. by themselves. I like them with other stuff. Yeah, that's true. I don't really like them by the- I do love them in a smoothie. I like them in stuff. But my kids will eat. Like, we'll go to Costco and get the big, huge thing. Of, it's like, you know, $8 for this giant-ass thing of blueberries. And my kids will eat them in, like, four minutes, the entire thing. And I'm like, okay. Well, there's that. I would take – I'm trying to think. This is a scintillating segment. What else? What else do you like more than peaches? I, w- I would eat a plain <laughs> tomato by itself than a plain – Oh, peach. shut up. Dead That's serious. Ridiculous. Mainly because I love tomatoes. Cotton you know candy what? grapes I, better than all of them. Cotton candy grapes are good. Those They're are Wegman. fabulous. Wegman. Yeah. Yeah, Brian from the top rope. Those are good. <laughs> I can't. I can't argue with that. However, tomatoes, I love cooked into things. I'll eat tomatoes like crazy. I cannot eat a raw tomato. They just, the texture or something about it, I just, I can't do it. I don't know. Mickey, who, how, do you, how do you call peaches slimy and then say you'll eat a whole tomato? It's not that I do eat a whole tomato. I'm just saying I would rather than eating a peach. It's ridiculous. Because I love tomatoes. My daughter, Addie, will eat tomatoes like an apple. She just picks them off the, off the plants and eats them like an apple. It's horrific. Well, she has to fend for herself. She has to go through the garden and pick what she's going to eat that day. She does. That's it. It's all she gets. You forage, child. Forage yeah. or you get no food. Yeah, hunters and gatherers. Exactly. That, that's why your husband took the kids camping. Exactly. I had to go get some meat. Yeah. <laughs> well, my brother actually hunts. He bow hunts for deer, so I have a whole bunch of – I always have a whole bunch of venison around. Which I don't like venison. I would not go get. any. If I'm perfectly happy to admit that if I had to, like, butcher my own meat, I would eat a whole lot less meat. If somebody hands it to me already frozen and wrapped in paper, then I'm good. Yeah. All right. Oh, oh, hey, this is a Nats podcast. It is. Shall we talk about baseball? There's no Nats to talk about, really, because they didn't make the playoffs. But we can talk (laughs) about baseball more generally. Ryan? Baseball? Baseball? Would you like to talk? Baseball. (laughs) Hootie-hoo. Yeah. Um. I would love to talk about baseball. We have the first week in review of the postseason, and it's a week of a lot of good and a lot of bad for baseball. We start with some bad, <clears throat> excuse me, ex-MLB pitcher Charles Hager was found dead due to a self-inflicted gunshot wound. He was wanted in the death of his ex-girlfriend. MLB legend Bob Gibson passed away over the weekend at the age of 84, and the baseball world is mourning him. Trevor Bauer, the top pitching free agent, tweets up, to the Red Sox, you up with his plane ticket to Boston. He's going to live tweet his entire free agency, and it's going to be amazing. Phillies GM Matt Clintex steps down. Team owner says he was not on board with the Real Muto trade and said that Real Muto is going to hit free agency. 
MLB and minor leaguers are quietly fighting over pay. As minor leaguers want guaranteed at least minimum wage pay, MLB tried to take this to the Supreme Court to fight it, but the Supreme Court denied it, so it's a small win for minor leaguers. MLB is expected to have a dark winter ahead as scouts analysis and more in the front office are expected to be let go. Um, but those inside the industry believe that this is year one of three. They're going to completely change the landscape of baseball as we know it. And the league is expecting next year to be impacted by COVID as well. And they're expecting a stoppage of play the year after. But MLB regular season viewership was up 4%. So some good news to the playoffs. Wildcard weekend is over as the Rays, Yankees, Astros, A's, Dodgers, Padres, Marlins, Braves all advance. Yankees twin series was the ratings. Sorry. Yankees Indian series was the ratings hit for MLB, but two of the series failed to have a game hit over 1 million viewers. Ratings are down for sports as a whole last week, but that's still not a good look. The American League Central became the first division in MLB history to not have a team represent in the division series. So the National League Central didn't want them to be alone, and they as well do not have a team in the division series. All division series will be amongst teams with their own division. Braves fans, however, have to watch their team play at 2 p.m. every single day. So Braves fans probably won't be able to watch their team in the division series for the first time since 2002. Uh, sorry, won a playoff series for the first time since 2002. MLB Division Series began today and will happen throughout the entire week, and they return to the regular format with these series being a best of five. This has been your Week in Review brought to you in part by your local neighborhood chilies. Carry out is available or dine in at select locations. Get yourself the spooky Halloween spider bite Rita, which comes garnished with what? a fake spider. Don't eat it. I cannot wait to try this this weekend when I order some chilies to go. Spoopy season. That sounds pretty good, even though I just said I don't drink margaritas. That sounds tempting. Well, so it was a very exciting week for the wild card round. I would like to point out all of the uh, Braves fans who were saying that the wild card game didn't count as a uh, series win when the Nats won it last year are now talking about how they've won their first postseason series when they won the wild card series. So just throwing that out there. Braves fans are literally a walking, just walking hypocrites. Like, they're the ones who talk the most trash to Nats, not to win the playoff series. And when the Nats threw it back, they're like, wow, act like you've been here before. What a classless <laughs> fan base. Shut up. <laughs> God, they're annoying. Yeah. Although, I have to say, as much as it's like, I don't know. It was fun. These short series are fun because of how exciting they are. Like, you lose game one, and all of a sudden, that's it. Like, your back's against the wall. So there is there is something to that winner go home aspect of just one wild card game that feels I don't know it's so much fun to watch those elimination games when your team's not in them when your team is in it and it feels like you're going to like actually die if they lose it's like exciting but not exactly fun <laughs> it's fun to watch other teams when you don't have any dog in that fight I will say it's weird to watch Trevor Rosenthal close out meaningful games. Oh my God! I can't believe we forgot to bring that up. It's, I mean, yeah. we'll get to and it. That here. game was started by Craig Stammen, and then <laughs> yes. was closed Back by Trevor here. Rosenthal. What the actual hell? Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll get to it here in a little bit, but just very very weird. But at the same time, you know, I kind of get cre give credit to uh, 
to Rizzo because, you know, he took a chance on Rosenthal and it wasn't necessarily wrong. We just didn't have the right, you know, support staff in place to, you know, help Rosenthal get back to where he was. But, you know, he went to even on Detroit in the second half of last year, he was fine. And then yeah. he, go, he goes to Kansas City and, you know, makes himself a high-valued uh, reliever. You know, Padres trade for him, and he's closing out playoff games for them. So, you know, I guess a little credit to Rizzo, but, you know, he also gets a little knocked because, uh, you know, he, he we could put – We couldn't make it happen here. Right, yeah, he didn't put the support staff in place. But it Which, seems like – it seems like – again, we'll, I'm kind of jumping the gun here, but – it, it seems like he's trying to get that right now. Yeah, well, that's a good segue into talking about Paul Menhart being let go, not having his contract not renewed, because I wonder if part of that is just a generalized feeling of not having pitchers develop the way they need to develop. I or... think – sorry, Mika, Jeff, but no, it's okay. I, th I think this was kind of a couple things coming together. He did oversee the pitcher development for the entire system and never developed pitchers which, like, that's kind of your job. You don't exactly have a good track record of it. Um, like, look at Giolito. He completely changed his mechanics, and he was bad. His velocity was down. White Sox are like, hey, go back to what you know, and he's great. Um, and he comes up, and everyone on the Nats liked him. A lot of people are pretty surprised. Those within the team organization are not surprised. I was reading about this on The Athletic, and they made a really good point. Davey didn't get to pick his staff when he came here. Like, Rizzo picked his staff for him. It was like, we're going to put all these experienced guys around you to help you win. And Davey didn't get to pick his guys. And every coach in this league has guys that they like. And there's a pretty good chance now with Davey getting a new contract, Davey has people he wants to be his pitching coach. And so they're like, all right, we'll just let Paul Menhart's contract go so you can actually pick your own guys since he didn't get to do that his first time on the contract. Yeah. That is a really good point. And brings you to the point, and Ryan and I talked about this earlier in the week once we found out Paul Menhart was let go, Kevin Long needs to go too. You know, mm -hmm. Ke Kevin Long was having problems long before he joined the Nats. You know, people always will credit him to his success with the Yankees. But just look at those Yankees teams. You know, th those Yankees teams were destined to, you know, succeed, right? And that's why, you know, to, to take it to football, you, you see these great quarterback coaches like become head coaches but you know really it's due to the talent and the you know ability of the actual quarterback not necessarily the quarterback coach and what he did so you know we're, we're seeing that now um with you know kevin long and, and paul menhart and all this stuff i mean with paul menhart it's like ryan said it's the exact opposite he had you know the task of developing guys in the minor leagues he got the chance to you know prove it with the guys in the big leagues. And if you could give jobs based on how likable someone is, then we wouldn't be saying goodbye to Sean Doolittle right now. Right. You yeah. know, he's the most likable guy in arguably the whole Nats organization. And, you know, not only are we saying goodbye, he's saying goodbye too. So you, you, you yeah. can't, you can't, you know, there's, there's emotions involved in all of this, you know, you, you can't help but be romantic and feel things about sports, but at, at, there's comes a point where, you can't your, – your emotions can affect your judgment as, like, with everything. And I, I think Rizzo made the right decision here that, you know, even though he's likable, it comes to are you getting the job done? And Paul Menhart wasn't, plain and simple. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. And, 
you know, it also brings up when he first came up, I remember when they first announced, you know, what was that? A month and a half, two months into the into, year last yeah. year mm -hmm. when they brought him up. And I, I kept thinking at the time, like, okay, so this guy is, they keep saying, look, he's had his, uh, he's had his hands on every pitcher that's come up through the Nats organization. And I remember that's, thinking to myself at the time, like, <laughs> like they, they have an organizational reputation as not being good at developing pitchers. Like how many pitchers have left here and excelled and thrived in a different environment. And the idea that they were going to bring that guy up, who's been the guy who's been in charge of developing pitchers in an organization known for crappy pitcher development. Like, he does seem like a genuinely fantastic guy, but it, it always seemed like an odd decision to me. And, it, you know, it does seem like, though, things turned around last year when he came up. But who knows if that was because of him or kind of regardless of him. It you know, have been, maybe it was just people getting healthy and, right. and guys coming back. And, also, yep. exactly what I was look who his starting rotation was. He had three guys pitching at top ten, like, pitchers in the league level. Like, of course, you're going to look really freaking great when you have three top ten yeah, pitchers in National League. Exactly to my point about, like, you know, the QB and quarterback coach thing. It's similar right. to what Menhart, you know, he didn't have to do much. Uh, I'm pretty sure if you rewind the tapes to when Menhart, you know, first got the job, we talked about Max Scherzer specifically, like what is Menhart going to do to Max that Max already isn't doing for himself, right? So yeah. Menhart's job for the big three was pretty easy. You know, he if he notices something different from what the guys normally do, he points it out, but he's not changing anything. He's not developing those guys. He's just riding their coattails. And, you know, they were all, for the most part, healthy last year, so he was able to ride the coattails to a lot of success. But, you know, mm -hmm. even though this the 60-game sample was a small sample size in comparison to a normal season, it was very telling because you got yeah. Fetty both. Um, yeah, um, when he didn't have elite-level talent to work right. with. Yeah. It, it was just very telling. You know, the fact that I feel like Fetty has been up with the team for like six years now. And he is like the that. same pitcher – that he was back then. You know, he has one good start in every, like, 10 to 12 starts that makes you think, oh, maybe there is something if we can just get him consistent. This was his shot to show that he can get consistent, and he didn't. Did, didn't. So, you know, you, you just got to you gotta move on at some point. Like, maybe Fetty and both, maybe, not saying they do, it's not looking good, but maybe they do have something if we can just get the right coach. It's a big if, but you never know. It's true. It's true. It's a good point. And it just, you know, I'm, I can't say he seems like a nice dude, but I'm ready for a change at the pitching coach position. So I'm really curious to see who Davey brings in now that he does get the chance to, you know, start with his own staff and I guess see if it makes a difference. The, the team ERA was really bad this season. And I know it was a weird season and I know we didn't have Strauss, but you know, it was, it was not good regardless of all that everybody else was facing the exact same hardships that the Nats were and lots of other teams had plenty of success so I don't I don't buy the it's a weird year excuse really yeah I mean it if it wasn't the the whole team like the whole pitching staff the whole lineup whatever you know maybe that excuse would fly like you know if uh, you know, Mookie Betts was struggling, but the rest of the Dodgers team wasn't. You know, maybe you say, oh, Mookie, he, he's starting a little slow because he didn't have a spring training. But the fact that for the Nats, it was the entire rotation. Like, even Corbin was terrible. And, you know, 
Max went, I know he was dealing with some injury bugs, but he wasn't all that great aside from a start or two. So, you know, you can really, it's someone takes the blame in every situation and coaches are there partially to take the blame, you know, that they, they they're accountable for, you know, for yeah, those, at this level, missteps. somebody has to be accountable. When right. Things go as poorly. And as if it, if it's just, if it's just one player, you blame the player, but if it's, you know, more than one, if it's your whole staff, your whole lineup, you blame the coach, just the way it goes. Indeed. Okay. So we touched a little bit on the Sean Doolittle situation. So he posted what very much felt like a pretty heartfelt goodbye to DC. Yeah. Um, Definition of a goodbye. Yeah. Um, we, we, we talked about it. It was, you know, it, it's, it would just be surprising. Cause like, you know, you based on Doolittle's words, you know, DC means a, a ton to him. It's not like Rendon where he's just piecing out without saying goodbye to anyone, which nobody talks about. Um, you know, Doolittle, like while the season's still going on, is saying goodbye to DC. So it's like clearly they've had internal discussions because he yeah. wouldn't be just saying goodbye, you know, for no for no reason. Like he's saying goodbye for a purpose. His wife is saying goodbye for like a reason. So, you know. It, it seems like the team may have already told them, hey, you're not coming back. Yeah, it's gonna exactly. be a rough off season for Nats fans. It is. Yeah. We don't handle change well. It's not our best thing. <laughs> well, no, no, I do not. Well, I do. Speak for yourself. <laughs> I'm speaking as a collective, and I think it's fair to say, as a collective, Nats fans don't handle change well. Facts. Facts. Nat, Nats fans don't handle anything well. If we're being oh, that's not true. We handled the World Series really well. You know. <laughs> Did we? I think so. Nats fans showed up down at Nats Park, watched all the away, all the games they were in Houston. It was super fun. Mm. I thought, yeah, you just hate everything because you're a curmudgeon. Don't use words I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, super depressing about Sean Doolittle. Um, I know everybody loves him. I mean, he's a super nice dude. That I don't know if he's. I mean, I don't know if he's going to sign somewhere else or if he just doesn't have it anymore. I hope that's not the case. But, man, it was tough to watch this season. Yep. Yeah, it, there's there's a track record of it, too. Like, you know, with people like Voth and Fetty, you see that one start and you're like, dang, if I can just replicate the success. But with Doolittle, it's like we have a four-year history with the Nats on, you know, where like the progress is going and we saw what he was before and he hasn't even been close to replicating that just like in velocity alone he's down what six miles an hour at least in the past yeah. three years people forget like we yeah. talked about a couple of weeks ago he was throwing 97 when he came to the Nats you know yeah now he's barely throwing 87 yeah so it's tough it's tough to watch and you know sports in general it's just it's hard because you do get emotionally attached to the players and especially the ones that you you personally like as well as professionally like and uh you know when it's time for the team to move on you can't just hang on to guys because you like them because you know the, the purpose of the teams are to win games not just to field the nicest team of guys they can but it's tough to watch do little dude that's a hard one to swallow yep definitely Okay, what we have here next on our show doc is DC Natchek's 2021 roster predictions. Yes, yes, ma'am, yes, sir. So, 
I'm going to be doing three roster predictions this offseason. Um, I'm trying to just prove a point. The first one I just did, I just released. Um, thank you to One Pursuit Takes for helping me make the graphic. It was focusing just on position players only. Um, and then I'm going to do one that focuses exclusively on pitching. And then the third one that tries to address both. So I'm pretty excited. Um, takes a lot of work, but I didn't feel like doing any homework that day. So it worked out really nicely. So this one, it was all position player heavy. So your starting rotation is a little suspect, right? So it's just as if I was GM and I was like, you know what? This offseason, we're addressing position players. Next offseason, we're addressing pitching. So you're throwing out a rotation of Max, Strauss, Corbin, Ross, Fetty. Your bullpen, you got both Suero, Harper, McGowan, Finnegan, Harris, Hudson, Rainey. And then for additions, um, I bring back Ryan Zimmerman. I have him on the bench for platooning at first. Um, I also re-sign Brock Holt. And then I go out for my second baseman. I signed sleeper Tommy LaStella. I want to get a, you know, a good veteran there, sign him to a two-year cheap deal, um, give some time for Garcia to go on down and just develop and let him do his thing. Um, I trade for a super cheap superstar. I'm calling him a superstar because he's my first baseman, Mitch Moreland, a one-year, three-year. He has one year, three million left on this deal. I'm trading for him. Um, he's also super underrated. You can put him in the lineup. And then I went out and I got James McCann at catcher. I signed to a nice two-year, $16 million contract. And then my big boy addition, I really want, like, I, I'm not even going to lie. Like, I really want him, George Springer. I knew that was coming. I want my boy George. So I signed him to a seven-year, $175 million contract. I didn't want to give him that seventh year, but I, I knew that seventh year would bring him here. And it did. So I got a lineup of Turner, Soto, Springer, Moreland, McCann, LaStella. Keep him at third as a cost-saving option. Robles. And then my bench is Gomes, Stevenson, Holt, Zimmerman, and Castro. So I have a couple of utility guys and outfield guys as well. That team's going at least 84 in uh, how many losses that would be. That team's dirty. That team is filthy. That's a top five lineup in baseball again because of me. Yeah, that was my first roster prediction of position player heavy. I, I literally put in my caption, position player focus, and someone's like, um, you didn't dress pitching. I'm like, uh, did you read? I think not. Boo-hoo, I can't read. <laughs> <laughs> like, it literally says position player focus. I like a lot of that. I, the thought of Keyboom at third is a little bit troubling. You know, <clears throat> he's interesting. It was either play Listella at third and have Garcia play at second or mm -hmm. start Castro and have Keeban go back down. But then I didn't have enough money to sign a bench bat. So I was like, well, got to save money elsewhere. Go get him, Keeban, and see what you got again. Yeah, it's true. You could have just, I, I worry more, honestly, like a, a hole in the lower in the lineup. I don't worry so much since he wasn't really hitting. But the defense at third, like I don't know how successful you can oh. be if you've got a guy at third who – Sucks at defense. That lineup's got options. Like, will this happen? Absolutely not. They probably won't get a single player I just mentioned. <laughs> but if they did, they do have options. And I just want Springer, man. That's all I want. So you're not on the Real Muto train. So I'm, t I'm torn about Real Muto. I, I want him. I love Real Muto. But, like, 
there's other pieces out there that you can kind of supplement supplement what he's doing and get the best bat on the market, which is George Springer. Like if they sign Real Muto, I'm gonna be happy. Like I'm gonna be absolutely stoked because I've won him since he's on the Marlins. He's the best catcher in baseball. But if I was GM, I would find someone cheaper to platoon with and then just find a big bats in the position field. Sorry, like in the infield outfield. Yeah, because they do have to, as we talked about, like you have to get a bat. You have to get somebody to hit behind Soto. Yeah, I like the uh, Listella edition because just because he can play second and third, and it seems like we have two young guys. Garcia definitely seems like more promising at this point in time. Not that Keebum won't turn out or like how we hope or whatever, but Listella just pl- provides flexibility because he can truly play two positions. It's not like Howie where he's really a liability at either position you put him at at this point in his career. So that's a good one. Um, obviously love James McCann. We need a catcher and I'm not trying to go through the black hole years like we did, you know, most mm. of the, the last decade because that just sucked. Um, for me, <clears throat> my, you know, primary, not, I wouldn't say primary, but I just don't realistically see the net spending on Real Muto or Springer. I could see them getting someone like Ozuna because, you know, I think Ozuna, if Springer is like tier, like tier one, Ozuna is like tier one and a half to two. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's who I see the net spending on at this point in time if, you know, they got one of the best guys. And so, you know they don't like to spend tier one money on anything except pitchers. Exactly. Um, but so that would bring me to my, you know, assuming those top tier guys are out of the question, my primary uh, target would be DJ DJ LeMayhew. You know, hit machine, gets on base, top of the lineup bat, it gives you more flexibility, and he plays second and – he's gold glove second baseman and can slot in at first base, which, you know, when Zim gets hurt, you know, you can just plug in and fill in LeMayhew at first. Um, but I do like trading for Mitch Moreland, super underrated. Um, it just, but at the same time, if we don't sign Springer, that's more money to focus on, you know, pitching. So maybe we can allocate that money to a fourth starter, to some more bullpen help and, and whatnot. I mean, we're going to need a lefty out of the pen. So that's something to keep an eye on. Yeah, it is all very interesting. It's fun to play that game. Like, what would the lineup look like? Of course, I I feel like Rizzo always surprises us. He always does something out of left field that you weren't expecting. To borrow a phrase, a very good. Yeah, it's usually analogy. some like thirty-five-year-old veteran. It yeah. is usually. I'm hoping he has a a better yeah. surprise for us. For the this most year. part, I mean, but for the most part, those veterans are usually decent. I mean, they're not great, but. Like, how did everybody feel when he signed Howie? You know, oh, here we go again, another older veteran. Well, for Howie. They, yeah, they traded for him. Yeah, that's true. But I just mean going out and getting guys that everybody's always like, oh, well, I guess. And then yeah, they turn you don't out think to be. They de- none of his moves, aside from, you know, the, the super big ones, so Corbin, uh, Max, you know, none of his moves move the needle. Which I guess, like, in general, most moves don't. But... Like for for Mike Rizzo, I feel like that's more of the case because he makes so many moves. You would think more of them really like move the needle and make a difference, but not many of them do. But it's not to say they're not good. Most of the time, they're pretty serviceable. Like the biggest miss in my mind in recent memory is Eric Keynes. Yeah, that was, a, that was I, a big I was mess. super hyped to get him on board, and now I can't wait till. Oh, well, I guess the season is over now, but. You know, yeah. I couldn't wait to get him off the team. 
that experiment is over. Well, and the thing is, when you take a risk on guys that are kind of a flyer, you know, they're not always going to work out. And I think for Rizzo, they work out more often than not. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's hard to complain, but he, uh, he usually has something up his sleeve that we aren't expecting. So I am quite excited to see what the offseason brings. Now, I will say, if Castellanos opts out, that's who I'm going after. I love that guy. And, you know, you just make it work. But I agree. He, he's, he's the youngest of the group. And I, put, I would put him in that, you know, if not tier one, that tier one and a half with Ozuna. And I'd rather have Castellanos than Ozuna. Um, yeah. yeah. I, I, he's a year younger. You know, he's, yeah, again, I mean, he hit for power this year. His average is a little bit down from his career. But part of that you can attribute to, you know, no spring training and whatnot. But, you know, Osuna, he's just been up and down. And he had a great year this year, don't get me wrong, but just how consistent he's going to be. But he's also a very big liability defensively. And, you know, the DH should be coming to the NL, so that provides you some leeway. But I would very much rather have Cassianos. The only thing you have to figure out is, you know, can he play left field? Because it seems like Soto's future is in right field, which I don't mind. It's just something to figure out. But yeah, it is just something they need to get a handle on. I would also, you know, we've mentioned this before, would also love to trade Victor Robles for something a little bit better. Yeah. You got anybody that would be... Nolan Arenado, without question. <laughs> Straight up. I mean, if the Rockies are looking at salary dump, which was the rumor last year, I will happily accept that salary. Yeah, that would be amazing. Like, Ryan, would you rather... Sign George Springer, George Springer for seven and one seventy five, or would you try rather pay? Or, ugh, I can't talk. Trade Robles for Arenado and assume that contract. So you're asking me if I'd rather have a Hall of Famer in the prime of his career or George Springer? <laughs> I thought you were going to say or Arenado. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I wouldn't do that last year, and the rumor happened. Like, give me at least the next five years of prime Arenado and probably pre-prime Soto, disgusting. Yeah, it would be amazing. And the point, like, I get Robles is young and, you know, affordable, but he, at this point in his career, he's providing gold glove caliber defense. But the, the point is there's plenty of center fielders that provide gold glove caliber defense. The reason you don't see them everywhere is because they're a liability at the plate. And quite frankly, that's where Robles is trending towards. He's a liability at the plate. He has the weakest exit velocity of, you know, almost all qualified hitters, all, all of them, not just center fielders, not just the NL, like all qualified hitters. He has the weakest exit velocity, and that doesn't lead to, you know, huge results. But we're also seeing it on the field. He's not hitting all that well. So you're, you know, deeming him an untouchable just based on defense. You can sign someone cheap, you know, $4 million a year, who plays elite level defense and you know you're not missing out on much but you get the chance to add someone like Arenado a future hall of famer in the prime of his career like Ryan said yeah. you know without really sacrificing anything it's just, it's just a no brainer in my mind oh it absolutely is if even if Robles were what we all thought he was going to be i would still want to trade for Arenado in the prime of his career yeah like, and that, if, that's <laughs> a point. i mean so would i but you know i'm just yeah, and, and he isn't like even if yeah even if he were what we thought he was going to be and he hasn't been I mean it, you know a lot of people say he's young and not ready to give up on him and that's all completely fair but if you have the chance 
to get somebody like Arenado and have that bat in your lineup and have that kind of and have that kind of it's it's such a no-brainer like you said there's just I can't imagine anybody wouldn't want to do that trade I can't I mean I'm sure there would be people and they would baffle me but I can't imagine what argument you could possibly make against it trade Robles for Arenado and then sign Starling Marte boom boom all right let's make you GM for a day Get that oh, done. Oh, please. I would get more done in the entire history of this franchise. <laughs> I'm sure it's that easy. It is. <laughs> All right. Let's move on and talk about our reactions to the wild card round. There were First some... of all, talk about, before we go into the individual series, talk about the, the idea of a wild card round. How are you guys feeling about this expanded playoffs in general? Um, I like, I've always liked the expanded playoffs. I think going forward, they'll probably do 12 teams. Yeah. Um, just 12 teams is a good number. You're getting more playoff games. And the wild card should always be a playoff round instead of a game. Baseball has always been about series. Like, mm-hmm. they've never been just one game. Like, you're always playing at least three games. And the fact that, like, your seasons always come down to one game, although, like, create a great drama and it was good for TV, it should be a best two out of three. And I think they should keep that going forward. Um, I know they are talking about in the past. And I feel like now, since they've already tested it out, Granted, ratings weren't good this year, but there was kind of a lot going on off the field that kind of led to that. Like a 12 Um, o'clock game three? Yeah, (laughs) literally. Um, And also, just other factors, eight playoff games in one day is absolutely phenomenal. I love it. It had a a real March Madness vibe. I was just about to say that. Really fun. Although, it's like... You didn't notice fans not being in the regular season just because regular season baseball has always been more quiet and it's kind of been more of a social thing. But you could really tell mm-hmm. the lack of fans for the playoff games. Like, imagine if San Diego sold out in game two when they had their comeback. Like, that place would be going nuts, especially on both of uh, Tatis' home runs, which sucks. Like, you're not going to have fans there. That's fine. But I like to expand the playoffs. It's going to stay. They're, it's just start embracing it. Um, the best two or three for a wild card needs to stay. I think that's more fair as yeah. well, unless you're the Reds and you just can't hit at all. <laughs> but, no, like, you get your stars out there more, and it's more fun. I like it. Yeah, I, yeah. Completely, I completely agree on the, the two out of three needs to stay for the wild card. And, you know, the, um, you know, implementing a game seven atmosphere in a one-game playoff is cool, but you might not always get the desired result. Like we saw, you know, I'm trying to think of an example, but like a team gets blown out game one. You know, we, we've seen it with the with the, with the A's in a How couple years. How about the years. Cleveland in, the Cleveland Yankees? Yeah, like that, that's the one I was thinking of, but the Yankees kind of handled that. So I was trying to think of like the A's because the A's have been in plenty of wild card games in recent memory. Even this past year, they got dominated by Giolito in game one. And they ended up winning that series. Had that been just a one-game wild card, the White Sox would be moving on. But because it was a three-game set, the A's managed to claw their way back, and they won that series. So, you know, who knows? But, but you know, in a three-game series, it's it's still replicating that, that high-stakes, mm-hmm. you know, atmosphere. Because you lose one game, and you're, you're in a deep, deep hole. It's win or go home. So it's not too much of a delay. Uh, until you get that desired game set game seven atmosphere, and like Ryan said, you get your biggest stars on the brightest stage more often than not. And you know, it was you kind of have to like 
identify some aspects of, you know, this postseason just because of, you know, COVID and the weird start times as per like normal seasons. Um, but you also, you know, have to identify like what you can take from this to, to implement in future years. So two of the three needs to stay. But after that, you know, I want five, at least five in the, the DS and seven in the CS, seven in the World Series, obviously. Um, but I agree. I think uh, I can honestly say 16 teams is probably a little bit too much for my liking, even mm-hmm. though some of those lower seeds won. Um, just a little bit too much. So I like 12 teams and then just, you know, three game series are short enough that it's not too much of a layoff for those like quote unquote bye week teams or whatever. So I think you can get away with six and still make it competitive. Yeah, I actually am going to agree. You know, generally I hate anything new, but I like the expanded playoffs. I like more teams having a chance. I do think 16 is too many. I think just for the sake of it feeling like the teams who are there deserve to be there. Teams that are at, at or below 500, teams that are, you know, more than half the league, it just seems like too much. Yeah. But I like the idea of a 12-game setup, and I love the three-game wildcard round. I have always thought the one, like, you're, you play for six months, and the whole thing comes down to one game. It just has always felt a little bit wild, and it's fun to watch, but it doesn't seem fair. You said, it, you know, we've seen that in this one where you get blown out in this year where you get blown out in game one and still manage to advance. So mm-hmm. I, uh, I think that should stay. I would like to see it continue. But it was it was a really fun, really fun to have so many games in one day. It was really fun to see a bunch of teams this year that you don't normally see in the playoffs. Yeah. And that segues to my point. You know, I got to give credit where credit was due. I was too hesitant to jump on on the bandwagon. And, you know, I'm eating my words for it, and I'm regretting my decisions. But Ryan called it. Ryan had the Marlins all the way. And Told you, a, no one's beating uh, six, though. Yeah, and not only did they, uh, you know, win the series, they won it in two. And, the, you know, that pitching stepped up, which the Marlins do have a very, very underrated, you know, rotation. We knew that from mm-hmm. the start, even before Sixto was brought up. The fact that Sixto is dealing, like, the way he is, you know, the Marlins – could ride their pitching similar to how the Nats rode their pitching. And if they just have a clutch hit here and there like they did in the, in the wildcard series, you know, the Marlins might, you know, just, you know, mess around and find themselves in a championship series. That would be crazy. You know, is, aren't they, the, I think, the only team in the history of professional sports to have never lost a playoff series? And I love it. Never I lost a playoff series. Never they never go to the, the playoffs. Either. Right. They never go to the playoffs, but when they do, all they do is win, win, win. That's it. <laughs> no matter what. No and matter what. Not that I would ever root for the Braves to win, but I am especially rooting for them to lose now just because of I want the Marlins to succeed. I always root for them to lose. Give me a Marlins Pad- Padres championship series. Oh, baseball would hate it so much. And I would love it because baseball sucks. Yeah, I really wanted to see the Reds advance it was a big disappointment like i mean me too but they left the bases loaded like seven times in the series oh my god the lack of hitting was maddening and i'm not even a reds fan like i swear i would have been suicidal if i were a reds fan it was it was hard to take although i have to say i know you mentioned uh trevor bauer tweets during your uh week in review riot holy crap that guy is so entertaining i desperately wish the nats would bring him here just because it would be fun doesn't make any sense, but it would you know, be fun. I, in that draft, in his draft year, I wanted 
the Nats to get Trevor Bauer so badly, and he went the pick before the Nats. And you know who the Nats took instead? Anthony Rendon. What mm. a what a miss on that. Wow, yeah. I think I can live with it. <laughs> yeah, I'll take but that. But I'm just saying, but he's taken quite – he's taken – Bauer, he's taken such a circuitous route to where he is now. You know what I mean? It's not yeah. a Steven Strasburg. dude. He is a he's weird dude. definitely but... cheating, by the way. Just... Bauer? Yeah, I'm, I'm just throwing that out there. He's 100% oh. cheating. Really? I, I, you think so? I think yes. it, there was a reason he knew all the Astros stuff before he... – before it came to light not even that like so he you know he was one of the big people about the Astros pitching staff is cheating like their like rotations per minute makes no sense he was saying that like the only way you can get those rotations is if you use illegal substances and he compared that to steroids well guess whose rotations this year were rather similar to the uh Astros a couple years ago he was crying about and it was like that Trevor Bowers, and it was the highest of his career, and he was dead silent on it this year. So, like, he's using substance. Mm, interesting. Confirmed. Hot Definitely take. had the uh, the rocky career to support that. Well, like, you know, I hope like, that's not true, but he sure is fun as hell. I love the way he talks trash to people. I love the way he's like you said. He's like live tweeting his entire free agency. It's going to be amazing. Yep. Before free agency officially starts, too, which is funny. Yeah, that is. I hadn't even thought of that. That is funny. Okay, so let's talk about the division series. Um, games got started today. You guys got any predictions? Uh, well, I, I, am I completely forgot it started today. I've been busy. So excited. Um, one, the Astros are damn good. Everyone completely forgot that. The Astros are freaking good. Um, you, like, can't deny talent. And the Astros just have talent and their experience. So kind of feel bad not picking them because they're probably going to find a way back in the World Series this year. Mm, but gross. I'm excited. Like, you have the Yankees um, Rays who are playing right now. These teams had multiple instances where they were throwing at each other and some benches clearing this year. The Astros A's had a full-blown brawl this year. The Dodgers Padres hate each other, so that's going to be fun. And then I, they're in the same division. Can't call it a rivalry, but, like, Braves-Marlins, same division. Like, they've had some really good games this year, but you have three pretty intense rivalries meeting in the playoffs where they all had multiple instances of tensions flaring and, like, players being thrown at. And it's kind of like, you know, in hockey, you meet the same people in the year, in the playoffs every single year. Your playoffs, like, sorry, your rivalries grow. And, like, these rivalries are going to grow. The Padres-Dodgers is now on the next level. Um, if the Yankees-Astros meet again, that's a whole nother thing. But the fact that the Astros are playing the A's right now, very fun. And I'm excited. I think all these games are going to be pretty intense. The one series that may not be just depends on how Marlins come out, how their pitching is. But I'm excited. I think these are going to be really good. Um, I think we get a Yankees-Astros-ALCS, which will be very chippy and very fun. So I'm rooting for that. Uh, yeah. it's it's be, it's best of five for this, right? Yes. Yes, okay. sir. Uh, you know what? You know, as fun as Yankees Astros would be, I'm going the opposite way. I'm going Rays A's. The Astros are good and they are better than I gave them credit for. But you know, part of my um, 
oversight, I guess I'll say, is the fact that they don't have Justin Verlander, and I wasn't sure if Grinky alone would be enough for them to get it done. I they won today, starting McCullers. I assume they're going to start Grinky tomorrow. Um, so you know that can give them an early two zero lead. But you know the the Astros typically, you know, during the regular season, mind you, have the or excuse me, the A's have the Astros number. I think the they were seven and three against the Astros this year. So you know, I I think the A's can get it done, and I think the Rays have the pitching to, you know, sustain uh, a series against the Yankees because the Yankees really have Cole, and then they're kind of just hoping for the best after that. Like, their bullpen by F4 was actually the worst in baseball this year, believe it or not. I did so, not know that. Yeah, fun stat. Uh, I found that out. Um, that is a fun stat. I like it. And, you know, the Yankees typically have a great bullpen. So, and, you know, the Rays have the pitching to – both starters and relievers. So I'm going raise A's, sticking to it. Hopefully it comes true. Uh, and then in the NL, I got a root for what I want, what my heart desires, and that's Padres Marlins. That would be fun. Yeah, I don't know. The the Rays-Yankees series is, I have, you know, I think I've told you guys before, my next-door neighbor is a diehard Yankees fan, so he's been coming. He likes to come over and watch the games with us because his wife, She's sort of ostensibly a Yankees fan, but she's just not really into baseball. So he'll come over and watch it with us. Kind of like your husband about the Nats? Well, exactly. He's not as into baseball as I am. But he loves the Nats, but not as much as me. But uh, when he comes over, I always feel bad because when the Nats were in their run last year, like he genuinely roots for the Nats, and he's so nice about it, and he's always so happy for us. And I hate the Yankees, and I am just like want them to lose so much. So whenever he comes over, I always feel bad because he's just like, oh, did you see that? I'm just like, God damn it. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like a jerk, but I cannot root for the Yankees. So I'm really hoping the Rays pull this out. What is it? I'm just going to check right now. It's uh, 4-3. 4-3 in the seventh? Yeah. Yankees are up. So we'll see what happens. And, of course, the Astros whooped the Athletics today. So Well, the Astros had one, uh, like, one error, and it led to four unearned runs, so. Yeah. Wasn't, yeah, closer than probably it seemed. But in a five-game series. Oh, yeah, know, for sure. For however sure. it happens, yeah. I, so I'm going to go – I'm going to go Yankees A's just because I refuse to acknowledge the possibility of the Astros advancing. That's fair. That series. So what do you think about Dodgers – you said Dodgers-Padres, Ryan, was your – who did you pick for that one? <laughs> Still Dodgers. Um, like, the Padres are good and they're fun, but the Dodgers are just stupid deep in their playoff experience. Like, their guys aren't necessarily good in the playoffs, but they're experienced. They don't have uh, to act like they've been there before because they've been there before. Yeah. <laughs> love love to see the Padres win it. Um, the world needs to see Tatis Jr. on the national stage, so I'd love to see them win it, but I don't think they do. Yeah, especially if not only Clevenger, but – Lamet are still injured. They're they questionable. Yeah. I mean, they were questionable last series too. So, but if they don't have either one of them, then, you know, you got to swing the full favor into the Dodgers. But hopefully yeah. the, the Padres at least make it a series. I'm definitely rooting for Padres Marlins, but I think, I, I think the Marlins might pull out the series with Atlanta just because Atlanta always chokes. But I do think the Dodgers are going to win. I'd love for it to be the Padres, but I don't think it will be. I don't think so. Okay, what do we have next? Um, Twitter questions. Twitter question. 
All right, we got a few good ones here um, from Richmond John 804. He says, a lot of roster holes, just curious what their top priority is position-wise. Not even sure they'll spend on a big-name free agent. Feels like they'll savor the 2019 season like some chilies, ribs, and fries for a mm. while and try to rebuild the farm <laughs> system. I want my baby back, baby back, baby So, chilies. No priority on the position-wise. Your goal this offseason is just to get a bat. It doesn't matter what position it is. If you have an opportunity to get one at third, you take it. Second, catcher, left field, right field first. It doesn't matter. Just find one. You have to find one bat or two if you can. That's absolutely great. You just need to find them. So, like, there's no priority on the position. I also feel like the Nats are going to miss out. Not miss out. I feel like they're going to let all the top free agents go. I can very much see them. And I tweeted this out, letting all the top free agents go and signing Yasiel Puig to a one-year contract and bat him forth and do a couple other minor moves while making moves for pitching. I kind of feel like that's the way this offseason is going to go. So, yeah, they're, they're going to have those leftovers, ribs, and fries for a while and just do the same formula. That's my prediction. I'm just keeping my expectations low because I fully expect seeing a letter to the fans where they tell us we believe uh, in the guys we have. A healthy Kendrick and getting Ryan's Zimmerman back is better than any free agent acquisition we could have ever made. I, I have a very bad feeling that's going to happen. Yeah, and I mean, in their defense, Chili's ribs and fries are very good left over. You know, mm -hmm. they're good any time of the day if, uh, you know, you're trying to be uh, health conscious and, you know, not be not pig out like yours truly um but you know that 2019 only buys you so much time you know uh, <laughs> for me i feel like they got a pass this year because of which, which is fine which is but fine but it, you can't it's, milk it's that be, for another season it would have been be bad really to play tough. 162 games exactly it's going to be really tough to you know re like acknowledge that we won in 2019 and see the team now that's just not competitive like i if you know, this is the only World Series we win for 20 years. Like, that's fine as long as we're actively trying to win. You know, I don't want to, you know, say 2019 is good enough for the next six years. Yeah. I, I want to act actively try to win, whether that's, you know, retooling by building the farm system or going out and signing top guys, just right. as long as you do one or the other. Don't do well, this, don't you know, stay in the middle crap that they've been doing. Yeah, and I don't want to see them waste Soto's prime with not that feeling too. competitive teams because I look at somebody like, and before everybody accuses me of saying Juan Soto is Mike Trout, I'm not saying that, but what has happened with Mike Trout is that they're squandering his prime by not fielding a competitive team around him. And I would hate to see that happen with Soto because Soto is a transcendent player. And if you build around him, you can do special things for a good chunk of time, but they're going to have to, like you said, they're going to have to retool. They can't just keep doing this you know, tinker around the edges, sign a couple of, you know, past their prime free agents, make a couple of low-level trades, and, you know, hope for the best and see what happens. Can we catch lightning in a bottle again? You know, mostly, most probably we can't. You're going to yeah. have to go out and get some pieces other than pitching. And I know the learners have not historically liked spending big money on position players, but they're going to have to do it. You've got, I look at Soto, he's like the equivalent of the, the quarterback rookie contract. Like if you don't build a competitive team around the guy when he's on his rookie contract, and then he gets too expensive and you either can't resign him or you can resign him and you can't put anybody around him. Like they Very have true. to take advantage of this time when he's cheap 
and he's with us for a long time and and take advantage of it make some special things happen and they're going to have to spend money to do it so i guess we'll see what happens but i really really hope they don't let like this year feels like a mulligan but you can't do that again next year agreed all right next question at the lw2 says george springer is a free agent the nats need an outfielder discuss we already have kind of i did a i forgot to bring this up earlier but i did a twitter poll of the top four free agents oh yeah stats of the last two years um it was george springer marcelo zuna jt ramuto and michael brantling springer's numbers were miles better than everyone else like it, it really wasn't close and i did it without names and the greater overwhelming majority of people picked player a who's george springer because again his numbers were miles better than everyone else and then when i said the names everyone's like oh well i don't want him now if i known that i wouldn't have said that i don't want that on my team and it was just really funny because I just can't wait if the Nats sign them to watch his fan base, how they're going to react because the dude's good. And they're like, well, it's a distraction. Like, you can't have someone here who people are going to boo in every stadium. Bryce Harper got booed in every single stadium for seven years. Juan Soto gets booed in most stadiums he goes to. People boo you if you're good. And George Springer's good, and he's a game-changer lineup. And, like, I don't care what happened with the past. I, I really don't. But the fact is, he's a 40 home run bat, and you put that in the middle of the lineup behind Juan Soto. Juan Soto put up great numbers with no protection this year. Imagine what he's going to do with a 40 home run guy behind him. It's remarkable. So George yeah. Springer will be a national. Yeah, I, I like it. I mean, and plus we've seen his success sustain the uh, cheating if you will, like yeah, the his, his OPS num- around like 900 this year. Yeah, his numbers were obviously good during, you know, 2017, 2018, 2019 where they were cheating, but his numbers were still good this year when they weren't cheating. Oh, well, at least as far as we know, but based on everyone else's numbers, they probably weren't cheating. Uh, if they were, they need to get better at it. If they were um, cheating this year, they, um, they, yeah, they, they're not as good at cheating as they used to be. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, George Springer, he, he checks out as far as, you know, what you're paying for. He won't have to cheat to, to be good. Um, but to answer, go back to the last question really quick. You know, the, the top priority is absolutely a bat. But if you had to put a position on it, I would say it's outfielder. Because, you know, what are we looking at right now? If we just go in-house options, it's, you know, obviously Soto, Robles, but then, you know, Stevenson. Taylor, if they keep him around. But, like, at the same time, you know, he's a free agent. And if that's your, like, top outfield pickup, that's a problem. So, if, you know. If they re-sign Michael Taylor, I think I might have an aneurysm. I, I, would, I would just honestly ask why. Because you know he's not, he's not starter level. You know, there, there might be a guy like Jock Peterson, right? Mm-hmm. I think that's a perfect example. He, granted, he was on stacked Dodgers teams his entire career. But for the most part, he's played sort of a platoon because he's a lefty. He hits righties well, but he sucks against lefties. You know, you know Jock Peterson has the potential to develop into an everyday guy. He's young. You know, he has had, you know, sustained success, has a lot of pop and all this stuff. But with Michael A. Taylor, you know the exact opposite. He is not an everyday guy. You know he's nothing more than a fourth outfielder and all this stuff. So why would you make that your best outfield acquisition just wouldn't make any sense. So yes, I agree. You know, I don't like Michael A. Taylor, but I would just have 
big questions about, you know, the mindset behind the move. Yeah, it would be a curious thing to decide to do. I don't think that's going to happen. It better not. All right. Um, Anne at ADH6626 said, this is a good one, odds for Mike Maddox returning. Options other than Real Muto for offense. What might a long-term contract for Trey Turner look like? And odds it happens this year. Those are all good questions. So we'll start with Mike Maddox. There's been a lot of talk about this, and I like Maddox. Um, I feel like the guys on the team did also. They kind of liked his coaching style, so I would love to have him back. But I feel like Davey's going to pick someone he knows he's familiar with, and that was someone who was with Joe Madden, whether that was in Tampa or the Cubs. They're just going to go with who he's familiar with. So I would love to have uh, Maddox back. I don't know if he picks him. Maybe Rizzo kind of like pushes him and guides him in the way of people to pick. But I feel like we're going to get someone who used to be the pitching coach of the Rays or the Cubs, to be completely honest with you. Yeah. Isn't Maddox is with the Cardinals right now, right? Yeah, his contract's up. Oh, gotcha. I was wondering why that was coming up. Not that I, I love Mike Maddox. I mean, I threw that name out there too, because we never should have let him go. No, we should not. He was with Dusty. And when Dusty got fired the very next day, Maddox got picked up. Like the, Maddox is, you know, his reputation, his what people think of him, you know, throughout the league, you know, transcends yeah, stellar reputation. team to team or organization to organization. You know, he, he is very desirable. So if he does, you know, hit the market, the Nats need to be all over that. You know, I understand wanting your guy, but there's no reason Mike Maddox shouldn't be your guy because he is the top free agent on the market. Yeah, anybody would be coach. lucky to have him be their guy. Yeah. Um, as far as Trey goes, you know, we, we talked about this a little bit, but it, it's interesting, and Ryan put it well when we talked about it. Uh, you know, you have guys like Story, Lindor, uh, Bogarts just kind of reset the market, but you have these uh, Semyon's a free agent, and, you know, he doesn't have the, the track record like some of these guys do, but – you know, the shortstop market is going to change. And Trey has an opportunity to kind of, like, start it off because, you know, he's probably the only one looking at the possibility of an extension. Like, Lindor's definitely hitting free agency. Um, I would assume Story's going to hit free agency because the Rockies are just a weird organization like that. So Trey might get the opportunity to reset the market. So I would think... You know, again, Ryan's probably going to know this better than I am, but, you know, maybe, what, six for 100, something like that? So I'm trying to do the math. If he hits free agency, he may get 20, but Trey's more than likely going to be between the 15 and $18 million range. Um, you know, if you're looking at people to compare it to, a lot of these guys got team-friendly contracts for re-signing. And you kind of hope Trey will be able to do the same thing. He does have some injury history. He only has about one or two full years under his belt. And you also look at the fact that Xander Bogarts, who's probably the best shortstop in the game, he's an all-star. He was top five MVP. He's a three-time silver slugger. That all adds to it. Trey doesn't have that, which kind of helps the Nats to bring him back to that $15, $18 million contract range. Because as we talked about with Matt Wyrick when he came on, 
Lindor, Baez, and a couple other oh, people. Baez. Yeah, the Baez, yeah, yeah, the they're one. coming up. They're going to get paid handsomely. Like Lindor is going to get three hundred million. And when he was asked about if it's going to be the Cubs, he said baseball just signed like a huge new contract. I think they can afford it, which is rather funny. He won't get that range. Like there's the elite guys. I think now after this season, Trey's right below the elite guys. Now, if he has this year again, sustained, yeah, he's going to be pushing that eighteen to twenty million. So, if the Nats want to take advantage of that, you talk to them this off season, you get them to that fifteen to eighteen million range, and help yourself out long term. For uh, for clarity, that six or a hundred number would come out to sixteen point six seven. So that's right in that window. Yeah, I mean, like. He'll get over $100 million just because everyone gets over $100 million nowadays. Just that's the way the market is. It's just going to be how many years and what's it going to be. And then the other part of her question, the options other than Real Muto, was actually pretty decent options. Um, I just pulled up the list right here. Um, there's J.D. Martinez if he opts out. Nelson Cruz, old but great. Michael Brantley, George Springer, Puig. Peterson, Maben, John Jay, Marlon Gonzalez, Nick Castellanos if he opts out, and then you move over to the infield. Um, Justin Turner is the best third baseman. No thanks. DJ LeMayu, Tommy LaStella, um, Jonathan Scope, Eric Sogard, Joe Panic, DD, and then I think it was pretty much all like the regular people. Justin Smoke and Carlos Santana for first. There's decent options out there. It's just going to be what way are they going to go? Are they going to get the C guys or are they going to get the A guys? And that's kind of really up to them to figure out how their finances are. So it's going to be interesting offseason, like we said. Good questions. I honestly, yeah, those w- are. I wouldn't hate if they got that one kind of like stable guy, whether it is someone as, you know, great as Springer or Real Muto or someone, you know, like DJ LeMahieu where you can kind of identify that as – the Nats best move off the offseason and then surround that with those one-year contracts that way you know if it pans out great you're a contender if it doesn't you trade all those one-year contracts at the deadline and helps your farm system like I think that that aspect of what Mike Rizzo does is smart it just he didn't follow up with that you know this past season but again that's probably because of his contract status at the time of the trade deadline as opposed to you know anything else yeah, which is a good argument for why they should have extended him sooner so that he had the, the security to, to feel like yeah. he could do what he needed to do. Agreed. Okay, next question from at Want Soto says, should the Cincinnati Reds be abolished from the sport after the atrocious performance they put on in the wild card round? Yes, it was embarrassing. Uh, that yes. was pathetic. Cincinnati does not need a Tough team if they're going to gonna do that. You know, Ohio is bad enough as is. That And, you know, the fact that they have two teams is just, like, mind-boggling to me. So, you know, if Ohio's going to do what they did in the playoffs, go 0-4 and not put up anything of a fight, especially the Reds, uh, yeah, you need to have some serious relocation talks. Yeah, I think that seems fair. Yeah, man, that was tough to watch. I was really rooting for the Reds. They were kind of my – I was going to bandwagon them through the playoffs, and it was a it was a short ride. Yeah, yeah RIP Red Shack. R.I.P. Red Jack. All right, Mr. Monty sent us a tweet and said, I need a weekly segment on what Ryan's cooking and an update on Nick's fishes. Well, you're in luck. (laughs) You got both. 
You did indeed. All right, one more. At XEA76 says, what year does Trey sign with the Mets? You shut your mouth. Yeah, I'm not talking that into existence, but 2024. <laughs> shut up. <laughs> you know, imagine... <laughs> imagine Rendon signed with, you know, the Braves. You know, Trey signed with the Mets, and then Soto signs with the Marlins. Why would you say that? What's well, wrong with you? I mean, Rendon, you? Rendon already signed elsewhere, so it's not happening. Well, I know. No, I know. But... That would have been, oh, my God. Twitter have been on the rail. But it would have been, it would have <laughs> been, you know, it would have been funny because people only would have hated Bryce Harper, and they would have blamed Bryce Harper for starting that trend. <laughs> yeah, like it was contagious or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Give me the ick. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I had, a, I had to throw up in my mouth a little bit at that whole, bleh. I will not imagine any such thing. No, thank you. Okay, let's see. We got any more? I think that was our last Twitter question. Yep, correct. All right, let's end it with our one big thing, our one big takeaway. Uh, I'll start, and, you know, I know Ryan mentioned this, you know, because he's so astute, and, you know, he's just quicker than me and better than me at everything. But, you know, baseball had so many missed opportunities this season, and I get, you know, it was an adjustment for everyone. Um, but it just it, – it was epitomized this past week, specifically the weekend, when the MLB has their playoffs kicking off. They started off by, you know, in a historical moment with eight playoff games in one day. You know, they have some great series like the Padres series and, you know, the Ace series and whatnot. And what do they do to follow up with that? Zero games over the weekend. Over the freaking weekend made and, no sense. And I, I get it. Like Sunday, you're going up against football, and football's always going to dominate the ratings. But why not at least do it on Saturday? Saturday was a complete empty slot. And like again, yeah, you're going up against college football, but it, it's the MLB playoffs. Uh, college, baseball's yeah, it, always top college football, right, right? But that's what I'm saying. Like you know, that's not that's something to think about, but it's not something you're worried about. So it makes no sense that they purposely scheduled off time you know and, and like i get it there should be some off time in between series but like the fact that they purposely scheduled it that way like they could have just <clears throat> bumped back the start of the playoffs so that way you got some game threes on saturday like during prime time rather than like a tw like 12 o'clock clinching game um you know on a on a wednesday or whatever it was like just it makes no sense to me but again it was just perfectly epitomized you know, this weekend because of their lack of foresight. You know, again, they could have started the season earlier and dominated the summer, but they purposely, you know, didn't because their ego was too big and they were arguing over the CBA when they should have just been, you know, dealing with the coronavirus. But, you know, they didn't, and then they got put on the back burner with, you know, all the other sports resuming. And now, you know, you have your playoffs kicking off. Granted, you have – at the time, you had the NHL Stanley Cup. You had the, the the finals in the NBA. You have football, you know, getting the full swing. But you had a, a window, you know, through this packed time period in sports, you had a window to dominate a day, and they didn't even take that. So it just epitomizes this, the status of the sport. The funniest part is that I know they wanted to start it right after the season ended, but – if their reason is, hey, we don't go against football, they picked not one but two debates to go head-to-head -head against. Like, oh, that's real freaking smart. Right. 
Yeah. Like doing those sports fine, but you're going to go up against the Bates. You're an absolute fool. I mean, you even saw it like if with the, the day and age right now, the best thing you can have happen, whether it's a TV show, a sporting event, a movie, whatever, is have something, have a clip, have a meme, something go viral, right? You, you know, you have like, like 90 Day Fiance. We've talked about that a little bit on the show. Big Ed went viral and then people went back and watched 90 Day Fiance and, you know, for Big Ed. If, you know, the MLB had something like a Tati's bat flip or whatever, something to go viral, you know, that would be huge. But one, they don't allow that. You know, they barely let Pitching Ninja do that. And, you know, Pitching Ninja has his own segment on Sunday Night Baseball. But, you know, baseball doesn't have that foresight. They don't have that that care about their game yeah. to grow the game. And it just it makes no sense. And, you know, like Ryan said, football's tough enough, but they're going against two presidential debates. And, of course, all social media is going to talk about is the presidential debates. Obviously, like for, for reasons we don't even have to get into, that's going to dominate no matter what goes against it. It doesn't even matter what year it is. Yeah. The debates are always going to win. Always, <laughs> always. Yeah, it's it, always, but it's just another example among, you know, so many examples. The fact that baseball does not market itself. And not only do they not do it well, but they actually seem to actively hinder the marketing of their sport. I, I will never understand it. And I know everybody likes to bash Manfred and I like bashing Manfred more than most people, but I don't know that you could put this all on him because it's been a long time problem. I just don't get it. I don't, you know, for well, he's I, also, I like, he's in charge. He has the ability to fix it and he's not. So he's well, fully to blame. Agreed. Completely agreed on that. But I just look at that stuff like that Tati's bat flip and how fun that is and how you could make that such a huge moment. And it just isn't. In, in a way, it doesn't permeate, you know, out into popular culture the way that it could and should. So, I, actually, I, I will never um, understand. You talk about pop culture. MLB's TikTok account, like, did a video with Addison Ray, So, they're nailing pop culture right now amongst the teenagers. So, clearly, they're doing something right. Absolutely. Yeah. I know how much all the youths love Addison Ray. So. Youths. The youths. I, I love TikTok. It's the greatest thing. I still haven't downloaded it yet. Um, Yeah, I won't even put a yet on that. (laughs) I don't think that I will. But Um, but back to the subject. My one big tip thing is that fans make playoffs. Like, not even just about baseball. Like, hockey's different just because the way hockey's played and their broadcasts are pretty good. But you still kind of notice it. But playoff basketball doesn't feel the same without the crowd. like Especially the buzzer beaters. Exactly. Like hearing, bang, it's just dead silent there. It's not the same. And like especially in baseball, like it kind of feels like the players aren't nearly as like intense because they don't have all the fans screaming on them. Like game two of the Yankees-Indians was an all-time mm-hmm. classic. That was an unreal game. And if they had fans there, the calls would have been even better. Like the commentators feed off the fans. And everyone bashes Joe Buck, but when Joe Buck is calling a call for a home team, he's, like, well, losing his mind for Joe Buck because he's feeding off the crowd. And, like, for Tatis' huge home runs, the commentator is like, oh, yep, there's another one. That's a home run. And if there was fans there, he would have had a lot more energy. And it's like the fans make playoff sports. And like I said earlier, there's nothing we can do about it. Like, it is what it is. There's great reasons why, shout out coronavirus, why there's no fans there. 
but it just feels very different in all playoff sports right now without any fans there. That yeah. is a hundred percent true. One of the best moments, you know, like if you're not at the game, obviously you'd much rather be at the game than watch it at home, like playoffs uh, in particular is, you know, when the announcer chooses that time wisely to let the crowd noise take over, you know, then you're at home on your couch, but you feel the atmosphere coming through you at your TV. And Joe Buck, to his credit, is very good at that. Like he's good at his job, but, you know, you take away fans and bad becomes worse. You know, point in case, Bob and FP, bad becomes worse. You have nothing, you know, saving you. And it's tough, but you get it. Obviously, there's nothing they can really do about it. But, you know, Ryan has a point. Fans make sports. Yeah, it's not the same feeling without them, that's for sure. And actually, thought of something you were just mentioning, Bob and FP. So that was the only broadcast I was watching, obviously. But, you know, broadcasts in general, I feel like they were broadcasting from – you know, they weren't at the away games, especially. They weren't even there They were watching on the TV screen, but right. they Without struggled. the cameras, they did, but without any cameras to give you the different angles or you don't have the crowd to talk about, you know, how they always, you know, they pan out to the crowd and talk about the kid who caught the foul ball or they, you know, oh, look at these people here in their Ryan Zimmerman jerseys here to go, you know, whatever it is. Like, again, even it's not playoffs, but the fans bring something to the broadcast that without them feels really flat. Bob and FP just struggled transitioning more than other crews. Like, you'll hear, like, just seeing clips online, other crews' calls while they're on, on the road. It's perfectly fine. okay. Yeah. Bob and FP didn't realize uh, Luis Garcia Ooh. his first career home run until he's rounding third. Like, they struggled with it. It was, it was almost like they were, like, on their phones texting during the play. Like, that's how it felt like to me. And, you know, in a time like this, again, I get it. Like, to an extent, you, you allow, like, if they're if it's a delayed call, that's one thing. Because they are in a delay. They're not at every ballpark or whatever. That makes sense. But you have to work even harder to provide that energy. Like, without fans, yes, you have nothing to feed off, but you have to, you know, be even better at your job. You have to step up. And, you know, with them, they were bad before, in my opinion. Some people disagree. I think they're wrong. But, you know, some people disagree. And they were even worse this year. And Ryan brings up. The, the point I was going to, you know, make is Luis Garcia's home run. It was such a big deal. that Speaking of clips going viral, that clip went viral. He's the youngest guy in baseball, you know, to hit a home run. And that's a big deal. And they made it seem like it was barely worthy of crossing, like, the scrolling bar at the bottom of your TV. Yeah, well, it is definitely was a weird year. And I think that kind of um... – comes into what my one big thing is is that generally speaking and not just with baseball but with all sports like once my team gets eliminated from the playoffs I always have a hard time like staying interested in it you know like I'll watch it and I'll you know keep track of what's going on and check the standings and stuff but like I don't get into it as much after they're gone to watch other teams and this year I feel like I'm I'm more into the playoffs yeah I feel differently about it because for one thing, I th- I think the the hangover glow, <laughs> well, but the hangover glow of the World Series has made it so that I just feel like the sting of missing the playoffs is not the same. Like if we hadn't won the World Series, we'd gone 19 and 31 and had a crap season, and then they didn't even make the playoffs this year, I would be so salty. 
like I would be so pissy about it that I would just be like, screw it, I'm not even watching any more baseball this year, I'll, you know, check back around in February, you know what I mean? But I, I think the fact that they won the year before and this was such a weird year, I'm just kind of like, yeah, whatever, I'll just, you know, bandwagon on another team and watch them, and I don't generally do that as much as I am this year, so I'm not sure exactly why that's the case, but that's kind of my one big thing is that I'm really enjoying the playoffs this year, even though the Nats aren't in it. Anyway, that, that's kind of, you know, credit where credit is due. Again, you know, Ryan had the idea four years ago to start up Cub Shack and start up Tribe Shack, and that, you know, that kind of got us into the playoffs. Granted, you know, that first year we did it in the Cubs-Indians World Series was one of the greatest World Series of all time. But, you know, now it's fast forward four years later, people are looking forward to, to our bandwagon teams. It kind of gets – not only us, but other people excited for the playoffs when the Nats aren't in it. So, you know, I, I agree. Like, I, I just, I sat here, did the one big takeaway a couple of weeks ago where I said I was having trouble just, like, following the sport I love. But now, come playoff time, you know, I'm looking forward to Marlins games. I'm looking forward to Padres games. Like, I, I never thought I would say that. Yeah. And that is a fun thing, too, about the expanded playoffs that we touched on earlier is that you've seen some teams you don't normally see, and that's fun. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> All right. We got anything else to talk about before we go? Think we're good. Um, did Amanda say seeing teams you don't normally do is fun? Because I remember her saying the complete opposite a couple weeks ago, but I digress. <laughs> no, it's not the opposite. What I said is I don't think there should be this many teams in the playoffs. It's fun that some of the teams that made the playoffs uh, are not the teams you normally see. These are not, these are not a contradictory statements. A well, healthy, a healthy mix like we've seen this year. It is good. Like that's exactly what I want. I mean, you have the the usual suspects: the Dodgers, yeah. the Yankees, the Astros. The Astros. Yeah. I mean, even the A's are kind of identifying themselves in that category. Granted, they don't go on a run like some of those other teams, but um, they're there. <laughs> but then you have the normal staples. But then you have the young, exciting teams like the Padres. Um, excuse me, the the Marlins, the the White Sox were there. So it's like you know, is it going to be the the old dog or the, the you know, young and upcoming hotshot or whatever. So I, I think that that's one reason it is, you know, so exciting to watch this, this postseason, at least for now. If it, you know, Yankees Astros. It winds because, up Yankees Dodger. Or right. If it, if it winds up Yankees Dodgers, like, yeah, I'll watch because it's the World Series, but it's but also, wah, wah. Yeah, <laughs> also just like meh. Yeah, it's not fun. Yeah, it is fun to watch. And everybody likes to root for an underdog, so. Right. It's definitely, I know, it's going to be an interesting one. So we'll, by next week, have more fun, uh, you know, division series stuff to talk about. Yep. You, you guys have anything else to chat about before we go? Nope, I'm good. All right. Well, thank you to all of you listening. We appreciate it as always. Make sure you give us a follow on Twitter. I don't feel like going through all of the, all of the handles again. They should know by now. They should know by now, and I closed the email. I keep them all in, so you guys will have to listen to the beginning of the show again if you want to hear them. Um, make sure you check in with us next week. I think we're going to record, we said Monday next week probably, because Nick has a big school project due on Sunday, and he's going to procrastinate right up till the last minute. So Absolutely. That's the way we're going to do it. So um, make sure you download, leave us reviews. We always appreciate it, and we will talk to you all next week. Later. 
There's a new breeze blowing off the banks of the Potomac A new team's mowing down the ranks of their opponents The Nationals are smashing balls so that the commentator Who has the cause has passed the wall to see you later Let's go Nats We've got a game to play We're gonna win today Let's go By the early light of dawn, well you can see they're running scared Cause the kinds of bombs we're launching are and bursting in the air Tell the Library of Congress that they might not want to look Cause we're putting curly W's in every book Let's go Nats, we've got a game to play You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.